Our scripture reading this morning will be found in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. If you are following along in the Bible found in the pew in front of you, that will be found on page 873. And again, that's Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest this morning, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Uh, We welcome all to a day of emphasis on the second greatest commandment. All month long, we've been thinking about the topic of kindness. And as we study kindness in the scripture, it is also linked to the second greatest commandment. Also this weekend, yesterday... We had about 24 of you to go out and help our, one of our neighbors build a home, Habitat for Humanity. We're thankful for representing us as a congregation, and we're thankful for the opportunity to help uh, one of our fellow citizens in this county. And then today, we think about the events of today, and it's going to be an amazing and a wonderful day to think about God's second greatest commandment that He gives us to love our neighbor as ourself. During our Bible class hour, All of the adults will stay here in the auditorium and Stinson Carpenter will speak to us of Rainbow Omega. This is a wonderful work that helps um, mentally challenged adults with a place to live, a facility that is especially for them and they love their home there and they love the opportunity that they have there to work and be productive. And I assure you, I know the majority of you Uh, are part of a Bible class, but if you're not, I assure you, you will want to stay for today's Bible class. It will be a blessing to see from the scriptures what he teaches us about his work and then to tell us about this work that is just east of Birmingham. Also, as we think about today, we think about three ministries tonight that it's not that they're brand new, but they're newer ministries. They're new enough that Probably many of us have thought, I'd like to know more about how that's going. I'd like to know more about how to get involved. This year, we started a ministry to go and have a short worship service with shut-ins. And Jamie Gillespie will be telling us about that tonight and studying that from the Scripture as well as the ways that we can be involved. As already mentioned this morning, the First John 3.16 ministry has been an amazing blessing. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's been a blessing to be a part of from a sense of giving and especially also for those who have received and it has helped them through a difficult time of loss of jobs. Ricky Banks will be speaking to us about this. And then Jason Tucker tonight will be talking to us about the flood relief. And he will be telling us about give a hand up. You know, for some time, the announcement's been made that if you're a skilled worker, we need you. Well, tonight you're going to learn about a new phase of the work that doesn't demand as much skilled work. And so I'm sure many of you that have been saying, I would help if I could, you're going to like it tonight because you're going to have the opportunity to practice the second greatest commandment. And then following that, 
Many of you, I'm sure, have heard of these smaller programs like the Grammys or the Emmys. But tonight, the big event is happening tonight after services here, and that's the Phillies. And so uh, after the, the amen is said, uh, whoever wants to be dismissed will be dismissed, and then the rest of us will stay here, and uh, we'll honor the life of Phil, and especially thinking about the last nine years that he has spent giving his life to this congregation and to our youth and probably an appropriate dress for tonight. You know, of many masterpieces of Phil, uh, one thing that he loves is creating t-shirts. And so you might want to pick out your favorite t-shirt over the last nine years that he's designed a camp or retreat t-shirt. And you might want to wear that tonight. And it might be kind of interesting to see uh, how many of, the, uh, of those around you have the same favorite t-shirt that you have. As we continue to think about the emphasis on kindness and the second greatest commandment, I'm just going to simply mention to you again this morning the recovery through Christ. Remember that if you want to talk with Jamie in a confidential way, you can do that through that email address of rtc at mountjuliet.org. I continue to mention this to you because you continue to respond to it. And we appreciate so much those who want to be involved in helping and those who want to be involved in participating in this wonderful, wonderful program that is going to make a difference in a lot of folks' lives. There's no reason for us to struggle alone with sins and addictions that seem to reoccur in our life. God can help us break that cycle and we can help each other help God in our lives. And so we want to take that opportunity. If you want to learn more about this, go to our website, which is www.mountjuliet.org, and there you'll see an icon that will look just like the one on your screen of Recovery Through Christ. You click on that and you can learn a lot more. As we think about simple kindness, continue to use the cards, continue to pass out at least 10 this month, and it's great to hear of the great good that's being done in the name of the Lord. And that's the beauty of the cards, is you don't have to say a word, just do a good act and hand a card, and in doing so, you've given the glory to God. If you want to encourage other people, go to the website and click on the icon for the simple kindness and post anonymously what you've done. And as you read down through there, it becomes obvious to all of us that it truly is an encouragement, even in the posting itself, to see the good that is being done. Isn't it wonderful to be a part of so much good? And it's not because of us, and it's not because we figured out. You know, that's the way to live because of our own human wisdom. God's figured it out. And whenever we submit our life to God, and we learn that truly God's way is the best way. We truly do figure out the greatest way to live. The second greatest commandment. It is an awesome passage. It's interesting to think that the second greatest commandment was really the result of a, an effort to trick Jesus. You see, earlier that day, the Pharisees had already tried to trip him up to make him look bad before his disciples. What they were going to do was, was to trick him up on whether or not his disciples ought to pay taxes. And he answered that in a brilliant fashion. It was almost like a tag team. When they were down, the Sadducees step up. And they're going to try to trick Jesus up on whether or not there's a resurrection. He answered that in a powerful way. The Pharisees, seeing that the Sadducees had been put down, they tag in and they decide that they're going to send one of their lawyers. You can almost imagine, it was probably one of their very best. We're going to trick Jesus on this one. We're going to ask him, 
What's the greatest commandment in the law? And of course, this is under the time period of the old law. And so there would have been many hundreds of laws that could have been chosen from. We don't know for certain why they believe this to be a trick question. One could have been that they would have thought it's very difficult to find one that is the greatest. And so if Jesus says, I can't tell you which one's the greatest, they were going to make it look as if he doesn't really know the law. How could he be a master if he doesn't really know the law? Or maybe if he did answer and say, okay, I'll tell you one that's the greatest. They probably in their minds thought we can always figure out one that is just as equal to importance, if not greater than whatever he says. And so then we will show ourselves superior to Jesus. Whatever their mindset was, we know beyond doubt because of the text, they were trying to trick him. Isn't it interesting that here not only is he able to answer, but he's able to say, you want to know the greatest? I can tell you the greatest, and I can follow that up with the second greatest, and I can tell you where every law and every teaching of the prophet hangs, it's right underneath those two. Look at this next slide, and as you think about this, I'd like for you to picture the first and second greatest commandment as we study it today with this in your mind. As if there's an authoritative umbrella that rules over our life where we say, I'm going to live under the will of God. Now keep in mind, we can step out from and under this umbrella. We don't have to live under the authority of God. But there's a room full of folks here that's saying, I want to live under the will of God. And when we're saying that, we're saying, I will allow the first and greatest commandment in my life to be what God has said. And that is, love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is likened to it. Now notice, it's under the first. It's not the first greatest, it's the second greatest. Even the second commandment is submissive to the first. The second is, love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, commandment number one, love God. Commandment number two, love others as God has taught you to love them. We do not get to set or define how we are going to love others if we're Christians. Instead, we love others as God commands us to love others. And then literally every law and every commandment of God falls under those first two. It's amazing to think how much has been said throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament about loving God and loving others. For example, if we think about the Ten Commandments, under the Old Testament, we read about the Ten Commandments. And have you ever noticed that the first four of the Ten Commandments deal with man's relationship with God, that first greatest commandment? The last six of the Ten Commandments deals with man's relationship with their fellow man. God has always been concerned about our love and our relationship with Him and our love and our conduct and our relationship with others. Listen, I can't go through life not caring about how I treat other people, even strangers, and be a child of God. If I am truly going to be a child of God, I have to have my heart open and my eyes open to others all the time. No exception. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? 
love God. The second, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that this second greatest commandment is tied to many, many teachings throughout the New Testament? This morning, I'd like to spend the rest of the time we have just looking through the New Testament to see what teachings are attached to this second greatest commandment. First, let's go to Luke the 10th chapter. In Luke the 10th chapter, as you're turning there, I hope some of you are already saying in your mind, wait a minute, preacher, we studied that one last week. That's right, I just want to remind you that that great story that we oftentimes call the Good Samaritan, it was a direct teaching from that teaching that the preface of it was a man who said, what shall I do to have eternal life? And Jesus asked him, was the law teach? And this man knew the law. He talked about loving God with all of his being, and then he said, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you do that, and you do well. This man wanted to justify himself because it was very comfortable for him to believe that your neighbor would be a fellow Jew. Here's a man who probably hated Gentiles and loved Jews. And so he wanted to hear Jesus confirm the fact that loving your neighbor meant that you love the people that are like you. And instead, when this man asked, who is my neighbor? And we didn't mention this last Sunday morning. Get this simple point. Jesus never answered the question directly, who is your neighbor? He asked it directly. He wanted to justify himself. Who is my neighbor? Instead, Jesus tells him a story about a man who was robbed and left half dead and a priest passed by and didn't help. A Levite passed by and didn't help. A Samaritan stopped and helped in every way. And when he got done, Jesus, instead of saying, now, who is your neighbor? Look down at verse 36. Instead, Jesus said this, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And this man had to answer and say, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go and do likewise. So the question is not who is my neighbor. The question is, am I a good neighbor? Am I the neighbor that shows mercy? Because notice, if we start trying to define who is our neighbor and who's not our neighbor, we start putting conditions on it. And love, agape, is unconditional. Unconditional love. And so it doesn't matter if it's a Jew lying there that's, that's beaten half to death and needs help, or if it's a Samaritan lying there, or any other Gentile lying there. It doesn't matter if they're rich. It doesn't matter if they're poor. The second greatest commandment is, are you going to practice it? Are you going to be merciful? Are you going to be neighborly? I must understand that second greatest commandment is active, and it's unconditional. Turn, if you will, to Romans, the 13th chapter, and we see another angle, if you will, of understanding this beautiful commandment. How many, I wonder, take pride in saying, I don't, know, I don't owe anybody anything. I've paid off my house, and, and I don't have any credit card debt, and, and I make sure that I pay my bills on time. I don't owe anybody anything. If you're a child of God, you do owe someone. 
Now, it's great when we're wise with our finances and we're careful to pay our debts because integrity is a part of Christianity. It's good when we're wise and we invest wisely. Stewardship is important to Christianity. But friends, if I become arrogant thinking I don't owe, I've missed the whole point of Christianity. The whole point of Christianity is we owe everybody to tell them about Jesus. And, and Paul was a great example of that in Romans 1 when he said he was a debtor. And here's another thing that, that all of us, so look at verse 7, and we're in Romans 13, render therefore to all their dues, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. What law is he talking about there? He's talking about the law of Christ. That law of Christ that taught us to love God and then love our neighbor as Jesus loved us. John 13 and verse 34 and 35, Jesus had just washed their feet of the disciples and he's on the way to the cross. And it's in between those two things that he says a new commandment. Notice this, a new commandment that I've given to you, that ye love one another. Wait a minute, that's not new. We've been taught to love one another. He says, oh yes, it's new. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you have loved one for another. The second commandment that's quoted out of the Old Testament is to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, I want you to go beyond self. Jesus showed us, I'm willing to lay down my life for my neighbor. I'm willing to give up everything in order to help a neighbor. And so Jesus says, I want to give you a new edition of this law of love. Love as I have loved you. Here, when he says, when we love others, we fulfill the law of Christ. Do you fulfill that? Think about that for a minute. Fulfill. Does your life fulfill the commandments? That first commandment, love God with all your being. Does your life fulfill to love others? Or would Jesus have to look down at our lives and say, you know, you don't really love others, especially this group of people, or, or especially in this situation, or especially this particular person. Friends, do you realize... There's no asterisk that comes down to the bottom of the page that says, well, you know, if it's that person that gets on your last nerve, if it's that person that, that has really, really mistreated you. But as our Lord died, He showed us how He loved others. He looked down while He was dying and said, Father, forgive them. Do we fulfill the law of Christ to love others as Christ has loved us? Now what's interesting here is that when we look at the story of the Good Samaritan, which was teaching about the second greatest commandment, we saw that it was active goodness. But now when Paul chooses to use this very same law as a teaching, this time he looks at avoiding harm. Now that may sound strange, but friends, listen. If I'm a faithful Christian, I don't go around bringing harm in other people's lives. And this is the way Paul says it. Let's read on the next few verses. Look at verse 9 and 10 here in Romans 13. We just read down through verse 8 that we're to love one another. We owe that. It fulfills the law. But now look at verse 9. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, 
are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice this phrase, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Why should we not murder? Someone says, well, it's wrong. No, go, go to the root, go deeper. Why should we not murder? Because we love God and God has taught us to love others and His teaching of others is Christians don't go around harming people. Why would we not commit adultery? God's children love Him and they love others and everyone knows that adultery hurts people. You realize he gives a list of things here. And then, as if to say, there's a lot more than what he's saying. And he says, but you can sum up all these other things that he's not mentioned in, in, in a detailed reference. He says, you can sum all of those up under this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm. Listen, if people dread seeing you coming, you probably haven't learned how to exercise the second greatest commandment in your life. Christians are to be a blessing. Christians are to be peacemakers. Christians are to be productive. Christians are to make surroundings better, not harmful and worse. But this commandment's tied also into Galatians. And if you will, the teachings in Galatians. Look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, and we see... An interesting teaching here, and for time's sake, I simply cannot give you the background that I'd love to give you, but if, if this really doesn't make sense, go back and study it, and, and maybe we can study it later on together, but I'd like to just jump right to Galatians 5, and, and this is where they were wrestling with trying to tie part of the old law into Christianity, and of course, that's not allowed, and, and so this is what he's addressing in the earlier part of this chapter. He's saying you've got to find your liberty in Christ, and so now it is 13, 14, and 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. He's talking about liberty found in Christ. Don't be under the bondage of the old law. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's huge. Through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Pause there for a moment. Do you hear what Paul's saying? He says everything about Christ Every law that he asked us to keep, he says we could bring it all down to one word, love. And what he's talking about is the first and second commandment. Love God and God will teach us how to love others. And so he quotes that second greatest commandment. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he goes back to their problem. Look at 15. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you are consumed by one another. The Lord says stop being cannibals. You know you're imperfect, and you know the person on your left and right's imperfect. Do you know that if anybody in this room wanted to gossip about you, not only could they gossip about you, they could tell negative things about you that are true. That's true for any of us. It doesn't work saying something that is, is, is derogatory and negative and then following it up by saying, oh, it's true. That's not gossiping, it's true. Yes, it is gossiping. And so here, the, the church at, at Galatia, they're, they're, they are, they're, they're eating themselves up. Mark 3, a house divided among itself cannot stand. 
When the Lord lists seven things in Proverbs 6 that he hates, the seventh thing that he lists is discord, the one who sows discord among the brethren. God, what do you hate? He says, I hate it when people go around talking about each other. God, what do you hate? I hate it when my house starts dividing because people... Now, what we're going to do here is put these three verses together. And they bite and they devour each other when instead what they ought to do, back up one verse, they ought to love their neighbor as their self. Back up one more verse. Instead what they ought to do is they ought to serve each other in love. Listen, since the person sitting beside you is not perfect, Maybe instead of going around and devouring them and gossiping about them, maybe instead you ought to back up two verses and say, you know what, I ought to serve them in their imperfections. What a beautiful thought. That's the second greatest commandment. You know what, when I see a fault in you, I want to come in and serve you and help you because that's an area of weakness. Recovery through Christ. Think how beautiful that is. Somebody's struggling. As a church family, what would we look like to each other and to the world if our answer to someone struggling is gossip about them, talk behind their back? Instead, what if the answer is, you know what? There's not a, perf a perfect person here, but we can serve each other and we can lift each other up and we can help each other become what God wants us to be. That takes us to Galatians, the sixth chapter. And in Galatians, the sixth chapter, in verse 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here's someone struggling. And what do we sometimes say? Well, I know they're struggling. I know they're going through a lot. But I tell you what, I don't want to get involved. Notice he closes here, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you and I are going to fulfill the second greatest commandment, what do we have to do? Literally, the Lord is saying, the people that are spiritual, they have to get involved. When that one is overtaken in a fault, you can't just set back, number one, the previous verses, and gossip. But number two, you can't set back in apathy. Well, Lord, what do you want me to do? He says, I want you to get involved. I want you to go, and I want you to do what you can do to encourage and restore that person. But go in humility. Go in meekness. You too could also be tempted. Lord, you know if I go to them, it's going to cost some of my time. And you know that I'm going to have to get involved in their life if I'm really going to help restore them. Lord, and that's where he follows up and says, it's called burdens. It's called sharing burdens. Are you ready to give up some of your week? Are you willing to give up some of your day? Are you willing to give some of your energy, some of your resources, some of your talents? Are you willing to give yourself and what God has given you to put your shoulder up underneath somebody else's burdens? When we do that, what have we done? We fulfilled the law of Christ. And then James, the second chapter. And James, the second chapter. I'm just going to mention a couple more. And if you're taking notes, you may want to study through these. It's just interesting to see the second greatest commandment. 
There was partiality where a rich man came into the assembly in James 2, the first chapter, I mean the first verse and, and on through the first paragraph. And he was treated in such a wonderful fashion. And a poor man came in and he wasn't treated in a wonderful fashion. And here's the result in 8 and 9. If you really fulfill the royal law, that's talking about the first and second greatest commandment, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Who are we supposed to love? Now we're back to that question, who is our neighbor? And James says, it's everybody. He didn't say mistreat the rich man so you treat the poor man better. In other words, you treat, treat the rich man very well. But you treat the poor man very well also. By nature, we like cliques. By nature, birds of a feather flock together. God's calling us above our nature. He's calling us to say, you know what? Even the people that aren't like me, He wants me to love them and to serve them. And then finally this morning, I take you to 1 John, the fourth chapter, and we hear the words of the Old Apostle John, late in his life, as he writes, 1 John 4, and notice verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Surely all of us here this morning would say, I love God. Wouldn't we? I love God. Do you realize what we're really saying when we love God? There's an umbrella that is the greatest commandment that says if you love God, all of His other teachings fall under that. So if you accept that you love God, we have to accept the second greatest commandment. We love others. And we're going to love them unconditionally. We're going to be good to them. But we're also not going to bring harm into their life. We're going to be willing to serve them like our Lord served them. And, and we're going to be willing to get involved in their life and bear burdens. And it doesn't matter who it is. We're not partial. We love them all. Friends, what we're studying this morning, none of us master it and then move on. Please get this. What we're studying this morning is life. It's day-to-day -day life. How will you treat people this afternoon? How will you treat them tomorrow? Let's allow God to rule that very decision. If you're not saved this morning and you want to be, if you're a believer willing to repent of sins and confess before men, and you want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we would love to assist you in that. Maybe you've become a Christian and you've lost the way and you want to come back and repent and confess sin and pray forgiveness. We want to love each other and encourage each other. And if there's anything that we can do to help you bear burdens, please don't hesitate to ask. You're in a place of people that loves God. And we're not perfect, but we follow a perfect God with a perfect plan. And we sure are giving our best. And we would love to help each other. If we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.